FM, The Way. Current events, personal values, political and social issues, technology, wars and tensions. Join us for the next hour to discuss and learn how the things happening in our world today point to God's prophetic word as signs of the times. Wait until you hear the excuse of why some school districts in Utah have banned the Bible. When you see the latest Gallup poll, does it confirm what we see in our society or can we trust polls? And one thing is for certain, when it comes to understanding the Bible, we can't trust the Catholic Church. But what you can trust is we're going to give it to you straight as we explore the signs of the times. Our weekly review of just some of the Bible prophecies that we find in the world's news for Friday, June 9th, 2023. Signs of the Times always gives it to you straight, just like our sponsor, Bob Johnson Insurance, a full-service independent agency featuring Erie Insurance products. They'll find the right insurance products for your specific needs and give it to you straight with all the pros and cons. For a personalized quote, you can contact Bob Johnson Insurance by phone at 865-922-3111 or online at bobjohnsonins.com. And you can listen to this or previous shows. Share them with your friends or ask Pastor Mark a prophecy question by hitting us up at thewaymedia.net, then click Signs of the Times, or you can do the same stuff right on our app, the Way Media app. And now, here to set us all straight on what is of God and what is not is Pastor Mark, who recently had a police detective show up at his house and ask him where he was between five and six. And Pastor Mark said, I was in kindergarten. Duh. He should have known that. He should have known Come that. Come on, you should have known that yeah. as a cop. Or he should have specified, where were you between 5 and 6 p.m.? Yeah. They, see, there you go. So there, He should have known. He, he should have known. No, that was, that, that, was, that was cute. And I should that have was, known that that was not going to be funny. No, but that was... But anyway. It's a smiler. That's, it's a smiler. That's kind of... It's, you I know, know. It's, Again, some things are like cackles. Some are smilers. Well, you know, some are smilets. I did some not... Some are like, okay, you shouldn't have told that. I didn't put it through my joke reviewer yeah, today. Really? Oh, okay. No, no. Okay, you, usually, right. usually she's a good barometer whether it's going to work or not. Yeah, so, all right. Anyway. All right. Okay. <laughs> we have got uh, some good articles to get to today. Yeah. However, in... I don't know that this isn't really an elephant in the room, so I'm not going to blast the elephant. Uh, but some things that clearly God is showing you yeah. that are happening in our country, and it's related to what Rome was like before Rome imploded, yeah. because Rome was never conquered, That's right. which is why there will be the revived Roman Empire. And we see similarities as our country is going down. Yeah, there's there's a, a synergy between what is being revived in the Roman Empire. It's kind of odd yeah. when you think about it that what is the same things that's causing this country to decline are also indicators 
that the Roman Empire is being revived. Yeah, you know, Greg, and, and that's the thing. We, if we have new listeners, and maybe you don't know the Bible, just for your sake, let me just, this is where I want to start and talk about this for a minute. It's really amazing. The Bible clearly says there will be a revived or a brand new Roman Empire in the last days. Now, we go to Daniel chapter 2. And Daniel has this, well, actually, Nebuchadnezzar has this dream about a statue, and he's like going to kill everybody if they can't tell him. So Daniel goes and says, God, you got to tell me what this is, or we're going to die too. God tells Daniel and his buddies, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, what's going to happen. They go back and tell uh, King Nebuchadnezzar the dream, and of course he says, oh my goodness, you're right on. And what the deal was, was it was a picture of an image that he goes down all the kingdoms that would happen from Nebuchadnezzar. The major kingdoms, if you will, that God is concerned about. It didn't cover every kingdom, but the major kingdoms of the world that God's concerned about, all the way down to the Roman Empire. And and the Roman Empire, of course, happened 2,000 years ago. But it's interesting, there's two legs to that part of the, of the vision. So you have this first leg and second leg of the Roman Empire, and the ten toes, and all this that goes with it. And so what the Bible teaches prophetically, and it talks about it in Revelation as well, there is going to be, I mean, not just like, like, the revived Roman Empire, the revived Roman Empire. Now, we're not going to be wearing skirts and little funny hats, um, at least at, well, I'm, I don't know, maybe we will. But either way, I don't think we're going to look like Roman soldiers. Right. But the point is, it's going to be really, a, truly a revived Roman Empire worldwide. Now, why is that so interesting? Okay, we think about just, okay, yeah, right, you got a worldwide government led by a Caesar, in, in a sense. We know the world's going to come together, you're going to have the Antichrist. Ruling over the entire world. There's there that one we most people would agree on, even if they don't know about the revived Roman Empire, but they know prophecy. And then you have again where it talks about they had a one world economy in that day. And you go, okay, they had a one world economy, how does that apply to us? Well, we're watching what's happening to all this talk about the collapse of the banks and the digital currencies. It is going to be some type of digital currency. Could it be crypto? Probably going to be some type of something the government's going to do, et cetera, et cetera, whatever. That's happening, and it's going to happen. Um, there's also, and this one is, needs a little bit more explanation, there's going to be a worldwide religion. Now you say, but wait a minute, how could that be? We have so many different religions today. How could there be a worldwide religion? The first, let me explain what it was like in the days of Rome. You had in Rome... The Caesars were worshipped as God, which is absolutely appropriate to the Antichrist, who will declare that he's God and be worshipped as God. But what you could do with the Caesars, at least some of them, um, you would go and pinch this incense, okay? And everybody had to do it. They gave you this. You had to go report once a year to show your allegiance to Rome. You would take this incense and drop it on this altar, and then when you did that, you were saying Caesar is Lord, and you would say Caesar is Lord. You were saying he was a god, if you will, and that he ruled over the world, and then you'd get this piece of paper. Basically, you got your, I believe Caesar is a god license. So they pulled you over, you know, on your camel, all right, let's see your Caesar's god license, show me your Caesar's god license, okay, you can, you can clop on, whatever the case might be, <laughs> you know, please step off the camel or whatever. Anyway, so so that kind of thing, and and so you had a one-world religion. But now get this, here's what's interesting to me. You still had multiple gods. All the Greek gods, which were kind of assimilated into the Roman gods, many of them kind of the same with different names, as well as all the other gods in different religions. You had, Greg, multiple religions during this time. Here was the only guideline. You could have your own god, your own religion. You just saw how to say that I'm God. You got to say Caesar's God. It pins the instance to Caesar. He's got to be one of your gods. So when you look at today and say, well, how in the world can everybody agree that this guy's God and everybody bow down to him? It's going to be the same thing when it's revived in the last days for, for part of it. And I'll get to the full story in a moment. But you can still be 
probably for a while, Christian in name, uh, uh, Hindu, uh, Muslim, whatever, you know, this kind of thing, as long as you go along with the one world government. If you go along with the one world government, you still have your religion. At the middle of the three and a half year point, the Antichrist is going to say, no, 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 no. Now everybody worships me. He says he's going to stand up in the Temple Mount in Jerusalem and say, I'm God. And now you are going to worship me and you can't worship any other God. Now think about what's going to happen when he says to the Muslims, you can't worship Allah anymore. You can't worship Indian gods. You can't worship whatever. What do you think the world's going to do? But he's going to have the supernatural power to force them, Greg. And those that don't submit, he's going to put them to death and cut their head off. So so, so how's it going to work? We can still do that today. Well, I, I was going to ask you, because we've talked about all these different prophetic mile markers or end times events, and what is going to... Uh, precipitate or what's going to what's going to get them started so we've you know we always talk about ezekiel 38 and 39 but we've never really talked about the one world religion so my question to you is this do you think that because iran's move against israel is out of religious fervor yeah because of what islam teaches them right what the imam imams teach them about the jews right and that's their motivation for Ezekiel 38 and 39. Russia's motivation is monetary. Right. And that's clear because Ezekiel, Ezekiel yeah. tells us this yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So do you think that after this major wipeout by the Lord yeah. of five-sixths of this invading army, seven months to clean up, the whole world's going to know about it. Yep. Ezekiel tells us the whole world's going to know that I am the Lord. They're going to know that I'm the one that wiped the army out. It wasn't right. anyone else. It wasn't mili- military might of man. It was my might, right. says the Lord. That's right. So do you think that because of that and because that, yes, part of it is financial gain by Russia, but Iran's involvement is going to be because of Islam, that that will help justify or give credence or credibility or authority in some way that the Antichrist will be able to institute the one world religion because of that event. Like, you want to know what we listen, you are all free to whatever and and that your question what do you think Islam is going to say about that? Right. I don't think is going to be that big of a deal at that point because of what's going to happen through Ezekiel 38 and 39. I don't think because the ones that are the most zealous, I would think are the ones that will have amassed themselves on the Northern border to participate in the invasion, a large portion, but not not all around the world. It's impossible. But I I would say those that are the most zealous in the Middle East, yes, will, will come from wherever parts the Jews to come and participate. And the more moderates, right. Will still be involved in the religion, but won't have been wiped out. So I think, the, the the tenor of the situation at that point will be more amenable to going along with this one world religion. Yeah, but now remember the the official one world religion won't happen until three and a half years after that. It's when the Antichrist stands up and says, "Well, no, I'm but, God." Well, yeah, but he right, but I but until then, yes, I get what you're saying. Let me add it. I think yeah. you're I think you're onto something. Okay, but let me give it a fuller picture. Yes, yes, I believe you're right, Greg. I think that's going to neutral. Here's what will happen. 
The rapture is going to happen sometime right around that Ezekiel battle. Yes. So the church is gone. The salt and light of the world has been removed. Mm-hmm. So we're not an issue. There's right. not going to be uh, any obstacles to Christians. There'll be the fake Christians, but the fake Christians already go along with all the other religions today. That's, they're not a problem. <laughs> exactly. Then yeah. you have, as you said, in the Middle East at least, which is the largest portion of, of, Mus- of Muslims, you have the most radical Muslims. Huge amount of them are suddenly gone in this battle. Five, six wiped out. So now you have um, the, the largest radical portion of, Mus- of Islam gone. You have the church completely gone. Uh, the Jews, um, again, the Spirit's going to be poured out on them. They're going to turn to Jesus, so they're not going to be fighting for Judaism. It's just going to be Christianity in there that will be blended with fake Christianity and some Judaism, but small amount. So I think what you're going to see at that point is you're going to see more of a, hey, why can't we all just get along? There's kind of one God. We're all following the same God. And you'll see the world, yes, I think, kind of going, it's all the same God. Let's quit fighting about all this radical stuff. Get along. But there won't be that official, now there's only one religion until three and a half years later when the Antichrist goes, you bow down to me. I mean, the Christians are out, so they're not going to oppose it. That's right. The radical Muslims are out. They're not going to oppose it. So everyone is going to be milk toast at that point. You're right. It is milk toast. The only ones that aren't milk toast are the 144,000 that are on fire. They will be on fire. Worldwide in Jerusalem. But think about it. 144,000 out of of 7, 8 billion? Yeah. And we can attribute that in the angels circling the earth and the two witnesses that are standing up in the holy city. Right. We can attribute that to, to God's mercy and yeah. grace continuing to give man an opportunity right so you're going to yeah, have yeah, you're yeah, going to yeah, have yeah. so what you're going to have at that point then is you're going to have the real one world religion that is supposed to be which is under god almighty right and then you're going to have the fake one world religion that are be the only two that are left that's right that's right and then and that'll go for three and a half years yeah and then at the three and a half year point that's when the antichrist goes up there yes. and now you have really the one world religion, other than those believers that are either put to death or, or make it to the end, and, and many will make it to the end. They'll be the sheep and the goats. There's going to be some, not many, but some. That's an obstacle course I, I, I don't want to run. You know, look, I tell you, here's what I believe. All these people building these bunkers right now are going to be gone because they're going to be taken in the rapture. Now, many of them don't think so. They think they're going to be here for that. But I believe many of the bunkers that are left behind by those that go in the rapture, mm. when the new people get saved in the Great Tribulation, they're going to be able to have food, clothing. You know, they're going to know about it maybe because of their family. Yeah. And they may oh, they t- will have known their friend. Oh, my friend's not here. He must have been raptured. There you go. And so, I mean, again, I don't know whether or not that's going to be true or not. But, I mean, yeah. there, there's going to be supplies, you know, for them, possibly in different ways, et cetera. Now... So, yes, and then so you have the one world religion, again, where everybody can kind of still do their own thing, but just agree that we all have the same God. Come on, lighten up. He's the same God of all. All roads lead to heaven, all that nonsense, right? Right. Until the Antichrist shuts it down, and now you worship me. So those are the elements. But there's Really, Greg, leading up to really where my the main issue I wanted to bring up now that is so glaring oh, in our yeah. culture right now about the revived Roman Empire. Many of you out there listening may not know. Now, we mentioned last week... I either mentioned on the radio or I mentioned in one of my teachings, and I think I mentioned on the radio, about Nero having two husbands. I believe that was on the radio. Yes, I remember that. Yes. Which was eye-opening, really. Yes, yes. Uh, You know, again, homosexuality, same-sex things, all this kind of sexual deviations were going on during the Roman Empire. I mean, just uh, out of the open, just, I mean, it just rampant. There was, there was just sexuality was out of control. You know, normal sexuality, whether there's prostitution or people just sleeping with each other. And then the deviant sexuality where you have homosexuality or trans, all the trans stuff or whatever. That was all just like full throttle. Okay. In that. But what some people may not realize. Okay. 
I, when I say this, I say it in a, as a question, but I know that people are know the answer. Have you noticed a, a, a really strong push for pedophilia today to be normalized? Well, of course we have. You, you know, there's still kind of for some that shock of pedophilia. You're kidding. No, no. There are people right now, our government, uh, the White House just released some paperwork today pushing for pedophilia. Uh, they, they're talking about protecting uh, adults and children having relations and adult children pornography and stuff. And they've got this whole list of things that is put out from the White House now. So, so here's what I'm saying. You're seeing at the highest levels of the world in world leadership this push for adults and children to have sex, for adults and children to be able to have, have, engage in pornography and all these things. And yet if you ask them, oh, we're not saying that. You're, that's ridiculous. No, go look, that is at, what you're saying. go look at what they're saying. Read their documents. It's exactly what's going on. Now, for those of us who know the Lord, we're shocked by that. For the world, it's like many people just don't want to get involved. I don't want to be in trouble. I don't want people coming after me, blah, blah, blah. And, and others are actually pushing for it. I mean, Greg, I, I'm shocked. Look, if, if people want to, if a man wants to dress up as a woman or a woman as a man and they want to have these shows, that's one thing. But when they start inviting children and then they start calling it family friendly and demanding to be, to do this in front of children. And then they do it with children. They get them right. on stage in chairs and they put their, their, their bodies in front of the kids and do obscene things. I mean, even exposing themselves. So, and then parents let this happen. You look now, you go, how in the world have we fallen so far into debauchery and, and sin? so fast. So fast. But it shows you the fallen nature of man. Yeah. Don't think that just because this happened in the past that it can't happen now. We're watching it happen now. I used to remember going, there's no way we'd ever worship all these gods again. It's happening. It's happening. Already we're worshiping all these gods and actual idols and everything. And it's going to get worse and worse yeah. because that's the fallen nature of man. And now we're worshiping sex and, and actually approving of adults doing these shows. Listen, they're grooming our children for sexual activity. And so you're watching it happen. Now, they're, even from the White House, they're pushing this pedophilia and all these things that are happening. So you go, how in the world could this be happening? What's going on? All right. News flash. This is exactly what was happening in the Roman Empire. A lot of people don't realize that. Men dressing up as women, women dressing up as men, pedophilia. It was very normal for the Senate, for the leaders, for the Caesars to have little boys they had sex with. Very normal. They would have, it was a normal, accepted in the culture, of course, among the world, not among the Christians. Right. But it was very accepted. Unless you know the history, you don't know that. But it was very, very normal and accepted to have these uh, perversities taking place and these atrocities, these, these, these abominations to God. And, and so now you're watching. When it talks about the revived Roman Empire, and the others are easy to point out. You know, we talked about them. Now you read about the history of Rome, and you hear about the revived Roman Empire, it is exactly being revived the same way it was 2,000 years ago. Although this is shocking, don't be shocked prophetically because God said in the last days Rome would be revived, which means adults will once again start having sex with children. And get this, listeners, it will be accepted at some point as normal. Now, a lot of people already have, and a lot of people, again, don't want to get involved. But there's this, rather than everybody rising up and it's like we should and saying, protect our children. Our children are vulnerable. Leave them alone. Instead, it's kind of this fear that, oh, no, if I say something, I'm in trouble. Or people are going to call me names. I'm either going to be a bigot or, I don't know, white supremacist or racist, whatever. The, the name's going to be called oh, homophobe. No. Good on the, no, you know. here, no, here's the name. What is it? Haters of men. Okay, there you go. Now, that's a great point. That's a great point because another common phraseology during the Roman Empire 2,000 years ago, again, newsflash, maybe the sum, they called the Christians, are you ready? Haters of men. And why did they call them haters of men? Because of what I'm doing right now. They were saying, guys, 
this is sin. It's sin against God. It's wrong. I hate no. I don't hate anybody. I, we love everybody. Jesus died yeah. for everyone. But this is sin against God, and somebody has to speak up to protect our children and to speak out against the sin of the culture. And when the Christians in the Roman Empire did that, Greg, they got labeled those haters of men. You're just haters of men. I remember 30 years ago, and I bet it's been 30 years now. If it hadn't been, it's been 20-some. The terminology started. I remember I think we lived in Santa Fe at the time. The terminology started as saying and the haters already began. You know, you're, you're disguised, you're haters. If you don't accept people for what they're doing, no matter what their sin is, you're a hater. It wasn't about accepting them in their sin. It, it was not accepting their sin. The issue was, I'm not going to accept their sin. I can't accept their sin. But Jesus loves you, and Jesus died for you, and Jesus will forgive you, and you can have your place in the kingdom of God. And so when I heard that, I remember telling our, listen, I wasn't the senior pastor there. I was a pastor on staff uh, for, for, for about five years there in Santa Fe. And uh, before we came back to Knoxville, at the Calvary Chapel there. And I told our people, I said, look, you're being called haters right now. If the same thing happened back during the Roman Empire. Christians were called haters, and they literally labeled them as haters of men simply because they stood against sin. And so when we stand against sin today, we will be called haters, when in reality, what are we? We're lovers. We're lovers of the sinner. We're lovers of those that are lost. We're lovers of God, lovers of Christ. We're lovers of the truth. And yet, as it gets darker and darker, remember, light and dark can't mix. Good is called bad. Bad is called good. And there's this whole division, if you will, between truth and falsehood. And so when you watch what's happening today right now, understand this was prophesied thousands of years ago. This is simply the revived Roman Empire. Now, I'm not saying that means we accept it. Oh, well, don't worry about it. It was prophesied, so let's go ahead and let pedophilia just take over our culture. No, I'm saying it's going to happen. And the Bible said it would happen. And I'll tell you, my heart breaks for these little children. I mean, I I, I can't, I, I can't, and, and because I know a lot of families as kids, and I'll listen to the show, and I wouldn't go into detail anyway. But I can't even imagine what these poor little babies are going through, these poor little children. I It, it makes me angry um, to say that a child can know they want a sex change when they're a baby. They're celebrating three-year-olds choosing to be male or female. You Listen, the brain doesn't even fully develop till the 20s. And, that, and, and we don't even call somebody legal till they're 18. Why do we do that? Why did God give children parents? Because they're children. They don't know right and wrong yet. They can't understand what's going to happen. They don't know the full import of decisions they make as a three-year-old or a 10-year-old, or even a 15-year-old, they don't know what that decision is going to do to them for the rest of their life. Greg, these surgeries are causing lifelong sores, infections, illnesses, uh, depression. It is absolutely atrocious. The the mental anguish, the Uh, mental health, since that's a phrase that's being used today, mental health, okay? Yeah. Is is absolutely being destroyed I, I in these people. Even, I, I just can't even imagine. And I don't know how you would minister to them. Well, how do you rescue them? How, exactly. How I, do you I, rescue I really, them? I do not know. How do they trust? Look, how do they trust us when we come and say, you know what, you're loved? Well, I hadn't been loved so far. Yeah. I've been taken advantage of. I've had people cut my body up and use me as a sex toy. What is love? Because I said something at an age what when I didn't, I didn't understand, understand what, was what I was going saying. On. That's right. That's right. It is absolutely horrible. Yeah. And, and, and we've got those who still have any sense of morals and God. You've got to speak up. But I'll be persecuted. Yeah, you will be. You're going to be called names, a hater, 
Um, you may you have people you're going to be you're going to be attacked. But let me remind you something. So was Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. He said this. If they hate me, they're going to hate you. Um, and, it, you know, if they don't listen to God, they won't listen to right. you. Jesus allowed himself to be beaten to a pulp, to be nailed to a piece of wood because he loved those little children who loved us so much. And we've got to speak up. And don't don't forget what the Lord said. If you cause one of these little ones who 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 know me to stumble, yeah, He said it would be better for a millstone. To, and those are giant, massive, you know, hundreds of pound things hung around your neck and thrown into the sea. That would be better, better than standing before God on Judgment Day. And yet these people are running, you know, pardon the pun, headlong into this judgment. And and I just my heart breaks. I'm sad for them that they're going to be judged that way. But I'm I'm really heartbroken for these little babies, these children. It yeah. is I I don't even know what to say. I don't know how to how to deal with it. I don't know. Innocence is gone. You know, Greg, we have eight, nine, and ten year olds getting pregnant. They're talking about different sexual activities at that age. In in the junior highs, they're handing out uh, sexual devices and and things to keep them. Or rather, I would say things to keep them from getting pregnant. Without going into detail again, I'm trying to be sensitive yeah. to those listening to the show. Um. It is, it is, we are in a world that no one could imagine. I could never imagine when I was a child that we'd ever come to this place of just total darkness. And that's why I wonder, is it too late to turn back? It may very well be. I still hope for revival. I still know that God is moving among his church. But I look at our culture today, and when I see our leadership um, on both sides of the aisle, and nobody's really, I won't say nobody, some are, but most are not even saying anything. Um where's the where's the righteousness and and the bible talks about the church we're the salt of the earth if but if the salt loses its flavor then it's no longer good for anything but to be trampled underfoot by men and so church we've got to speak the truth and yes you will be persecuted yes you will be hated yes you will be ostracized but you know what jesus went before us and that's exactly what he went through. And are we willing to go through that with him? He said, if we're afraid, listen, being afraid of that, very normal. But go to God and say, God, give me boldness. Look, I don't look forward to that. Nobody looks forward to that. But if we're going to honor our Lord, we need to, we need to stand up and for our children and for our culture and try to rescue as many as we can before the clock runs out and before we do enter into um, eternity and, and that judgment before God. It, it's, it's, it's really sad. Uh, speaking of little ones. Uh, for those of you that are listening to this program and you hear a lot of chitter chatter in the background yes. as Pastor Mark is talking, we just wrapped up a week long fun Keepers of the Kingdom vacation Bible school here at Calvary Knoxville. So you're hearing all the kids helping uh, clean up and uh, take everything down, and it was a great week. So, and anyway, that is Pastor Mark Kirk, who is helping us make sense of the signs of the times. It's our weekly take on Bible prophecy in the world's news on WIAM LP Knoxville, a weekly broadcast that we have tagged as podcast number 265, available through all of your popular podcast outlets. And now it's time... For a listener question, Pastor Mark, this question comes from Joshua, who enjoys Signs of the Times in Oak Ridge, Tennessee, and he has a question about the thousand-year reign in Revelation 20. He said, I would like more clarification on the thousand-year reign in Revelation 20, and his questions are, who are the saints, and who are they reigning over for those thousand years? Yeah, what a great question, and let's take some time on it, because this really needs to be kind of unpacked. Um, so that we kind of fully understand. A lot of people, Greg, it's amazing because really a lack of, of prophecy teaching and even a lack of 
teaching of the book of Revelation and the Bible and other areas, a lot of people don't even really understand the millennial kingdom. And sadly, uh, many people, not only churches don't teach it, they don't believe it. Uh, you talk about the thousand year reign. Some believe that it's symbolic and all that. No, the Bible makes it very clear. There will be a literal thousand years that Jesus Christ will sit on a throne in Jerusalem and rule over the entire planet. And I can't wait. I'm so excited about it. But anyway, um, especially after everything you just shared. No kidding, because there's going to be true righteousness on the earth. And that's when you're going to understand true, I guess, righteous <laughs> politics. But yes. anyway, um, and I don't think of it as politics, but again, it, you get my point. Yeah. But yeah, here's what the Bible teaches. Uh, of course, we go back to Isaiah 9, 6, one of the most famous Christmas verses. It says, you know, um, and, and a child is given, a son is born, a child is given. And on his shoulders will rest the government. Now, this is kind of a question. A lot of people, they don't ever really think about it. But has Jesus Christ ever had the government of the earth resting on his shoulders? The answer is no. Now, he's Lord over all. He rules the universe. But he's never sat as the ruler of the earth, having the government and just telling people what to do. So that still has to take place to fulfill Isaiah 9, 6. And, of course, we see in Scripture, uh, Revelations, those other places, it will take place. What the Bible says will happen, let's just explain it, then we'll get back to the question. The Bible says Jesus, Jesus will come back in the second coming. At that point, he will, he will uh, cast Satan into um, um, the center of the earth for a thousand years. He will throw the false prophet and the Antichrist into the lake of fire, which is different than the center of the earth. That's literally hell as we know it for, for the rest of eternity, where everybody else will join them at the end of that thousand years, Satan himself and others. And he will sit on his throne, the Bible says, in Jerusalem. The whole topography of the earth is going to change. All the mountains will be thrown down, it tells us in Scripture, and the prophets tells us that Jerusalem will be lifted up and be this large platform where the temple, the fourth temple will be, because the third temple will be the fake one about to be built any time. The fourth temple will be the Lord's real temple. He will sit there on his throne um, as our Lord and as our King, you know, Holy of Holies himself, and he'll rule uh, and reign on the earth. And the believers who are saved, we are the saints... To answer the question, and we'll go more into the details of this, but it answers the question as I'm covering it. We're the saints that will rule and reign with the Lord. Now, it's not just us in, that are taken in the rapture. Again, the rapture takes place first. We go up seven years, wedding supper of the Lamb. We all come back down with the Lord. He establishes his throne. Then we, the saints, live with him for a thousand years on this earth, ruling and reigning with him. Also, those that are on the earth and miss the rapture, they don't get saved until afterwards. Um, they will get saved during the Great Tribulation. They will get to, that's the sheep and the goats when they're divided up, when he gathers the sheep and goats there in front of him on that new platform as he comes back in the second coming. Yeah. He'll make that massive platform, gather the nations of the earth there, sheep on the right, goats on the left. The goats will be cast into Hades where they will be held temporarily for a thousand years until they're thrown into the lake of fire at the end of that thousand year reign. And because that's the final judgment and the sheep will come into the kingdom with those of us who are already raptured. And we will be the saints that rule and reign with the Lord for a thousand years. Now, we'll be stationed all over the earth. Um, we'll be what our duties will be. I don't know. I do know we'll be coming up every year, at least for the Feast of Tabernacles, which is the feast that represents in Scripture the Lord tabernacling or living among his people. The word was that booze they'd make, the tabernacles. Yes. So he'll be living among us. We'll come up every year and all come together in this massive celebration and this massive feast in Jerusalem and just have a blast. The holy highway it talks about will be on. And it's just, I'm not, I think about the singing and the celebration. Greg, good to see you, man. You're, you're running, you're running, you know, whatever that area. Awesome, man. Good job. And uh, come visit me in Hawaii sometime. And anyway, whatever the case might be. And so, so that'll be happening. 
God give you special revelation no, on where he's no, going to station Pastor, you Pastor during Chuck, the thousand uh, years? Pastor Chuck always said he wants a wine. God, okay. God loves him way more than me. So, okay. like, But anyway, so so anyway, either way, we're all, it's all going to be paradise. Yes. Well, I'm being silly. Yeah, well, we're going to be wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Yeah. And during that time, it'll be celebrating. The animals will all be friendly. We'll be loving just, they'll be friendly with us. You know, probably lions walking on the whole, holy highway with us and, you know, rubbing their neck and, and playing with you. So everything's going to be friendly. It's just going to be an, amazing. The way the Garden of Eden was the way it was supposed to be, and the way it's going to be again for a thousand years. So there's your saints, there's your ruling over and all that. Then at the end of that thousand years, that's when you go on in Revelation, and it says at the end of that thousand years, Satan will be released from that holding tank in the center of the earth, and he will gather those on the earth that hate God for one last final battle. Now, I know what you're already thinking. What? How could anyone on the earth hate the Lord after living with him in his beauty and his glory for a thousand years, how did they not get saved and how they even get here? I thought it was only believers that got into the kingdom. You're right. It'll only be believers that get in at the beginning of the thousand years. But it also tells us that those that get saved during the great tribulation, they will see, we will enter the millennial kingdom. Those of us that get raptured in our new bodies and we won't be getting married or having kids or any of that. But those that enter in who get saved during the great tribulation, they will still be in their earthly bodies they will still, some will probably enter in as married couples. Others will come in as singles. They'll get married while they're there. Uh, the Bible says they'll be having children. So the mortals, if you want to call them that, that are saved, the saints, they're going to be actually having children and families that over a thousand years will build up to a large number of people. Many of those kids that get born will give their life to the Lord. But this is the shocker. Many of those kids, the Bible says, will not give their lives to the Lord. And they will actually turn against the Lord and Satan, when he's released, will gather all those that don't love the Lord. They'll come to try to fight one final battle against those of us who do love the Lord at the end of that thousand years. And the Lord will then just wipe them out. It says he'll destroy this earth, the heavens, everything with it. And he'll build a brand new heaven and a brand new earth that's never been tainted with sin. And we will live there forever, only the righteous, to never again have opposition for all eternity. Now, this brings up another great point, because I know what you're thinking. How could you see Jesus in person and not love him and not follow him? Well, ask those people who saw him in person 2,000 years ago and put him to death. Uh, ask the angels in heaven who rebelled with uh, Lucifer they, and were right. cast out of heaven. They were there. They the saw kingdom. Jesus in his full glory. They did. They were there. They were saved, if you want to call it that. They loved the yes. Lord. They are in the kingdom. And God kicked them out because they chose to reject him. So it just shows we have choice. Number one, we see. We have choice, and God honors that choice. The angels prove that, and we'll see this millennial kingdom will prove that. But also, it, it just completely annihilates this false teaching in psychological circles that says, if everyone was just raised in the right environment, they would mm. all turn out good, because in everyone is really goodness. Everyone is really good on the inside, and so if you just gave them the right environment, they'd all be good. That's a lie. And it's going to be proven to be a lie during the thousand-year kingdom, because the Bible says everybody's innately evil. Uh, inwardly, we're naturally evil. We're not naturally good. That's, that's a deception of psychology. We're naturally evil, not naturally good. And God will prove during the thousand-year reign that we are naturally evil because you could not get a better environment than the, the loving God of the universe running the earth. If you're going to rebel in that environment, you're going to rebel in anything, okay? So it just shows that those who don't know him are going to have, have a heart that's fallen, they're going to, and, and they can be saved or they can choose to go down that path. They're going to choose to go down that path. The best atmosphere, the best environment, the best impairment, uh, parents, the best upbringing, it doesn't guarantee anything. The heart of man is wicked. And if you choose to go wicked, you're going to go wicked. That proves that. Now, 
Again, I, I say this as an encouragement to the parents out there. If you raised your kids in the Lord, you loved them, you trained them up, and they um, still turned away, and you're going, I failed, I failed as a parent, I should have done this, I should have done that. Take heart, because you know what? You probably didn't fail. Now, does everybody fail at something? Yes, all of us. But it's not so much that you failed if you raised them in the Lord, even the times that you did fail. What it tells us is your kids have a choice of their own that God gave them. And even though you showed them the right way, your weaknesses and all, granted, even though you showed them the right way, they still chose to go the wrong way. Don't beat yourself up over that. Continue to pray for them. God says if you plant those seeds when they're little guys, those seeds will grow and God will bring them back around and I believe God will do that. So take heart. That may be a word of encouragement to some parent who just is struggling right now with a child that's walked away. But again, there's the Millennial Kingdom. I hope that helps to answer some of the questions. And again, I uh, uh, appreciate the question. It's a great question. Okay, Joshua, thank you for that. If you've got a question like Joshua, as always, we invite you to visit our website at thewaymedia.net. Just click on Signs of the Times. You'll see where you can ask that question. Or if you've downloaded the Way Media app, it's right there, too. All right. All right, let's get into some American news. This is from the Jerusalem Post. Bible banned in several Utah schools due to, quote-unquote, vulgarity and violence. Give me a break. Give me a break. You, you talk about blasphemy before God. This is the worst insult to God to tell God that his word is in any way impure. His word is pure and holy and righteous in every way. And it shows you the wickedness of man. And Greg, it just accentuates the difference between light and darkness. And as the Bible says, when people turn away from God, light becomes dark, dark becomes light, good becomes evil, evil becomes good. This is absolutely absurd. Let's read some of this. The Bible, the holy word of God was banned in several schools in Utah. That's Mormon country. After a complaint from a parent made, I mean, by the way, Mormons aren't righteous. I'm not saying that. But at the same time, they at least, you know, are extremely religious. Yeah, right. After a complaint from a parent made in its way to the Davis School District in the northern part of the state, multiple sources reported on Friday. The parent was reportedly frustrated with the book, uh, the book bans in the district. Again, they're banning a lot of wicked books in different districts. Okay, makes sense. So they decided to submit a complaint for their own. So if you're going to ban all those books, we're going to ban them. This reminds me of, look, if you're going to have Bible clubs in school, we're going to have Satan clubs. Yes. Because that's the same exactly. thing they're doing. Yes. It, you know, hey, look, it's smart. Uh, Satan is, is evil, but he's smart. Uh, so I, I, you know, I give him that. The parents' complaints also cited that the state's law passed last year that bans books that contain material considered pornographic and indecent, uh, stating that it's one of the most sex-ridden books around. Uh, uh, NBC News quoted the parents as writing that the texts include things like incense, bestiality, prostitution, rape, and even infanticide. The district ultimately removed the Bible from the elementary and middle schools, citing vulgarity and violence in its text, but would, but would allow it limited in the high school libraries. Greg, Satan is going not only after our children, but the youngest. Here's another evidence of it. You're seeing in our kindergartens, you're seeing all this vulgarity, all this stuff we talked about, the, por- the, 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 the perversion and the pornography, it's all being poured into our little kids. You're having them decide at three years old what right. gender they are, et cetera. So, so now again, look what happens here. In the elementary and middle schools, Satan knows this. The younger I can get the children, the greater impact I can have on their lives and the next generation. He's taking the world over. He's evil, but he's very smart. We see it. The world doesn't see it. Extremely frustrating. Um, and again, um, you know, 
I just got a note here that they aren't banning books. She said the books are available in public libraries to the purchase. They're merely removing pornography content from the middle schools. Um, again, so uh, maybe a correction there, if you will. Somebody sent you something on the secret text line? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, but but e- e- either way, the bottom line is this. Regardless of the technicalities of it, and I appreciate the uh, the, the, the the live corrections as we do the show, um, <laughs> which is great, really. Yes. Here's the bottom line. Satan is doing the best he can to get rid of anything righteous for our children and make everything evil and he's having success and so again shocking 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 and this is the kind of thing we have to stand up against and fight yeah here's something that else uh something else pastor mark that might be having success according to a gallup poll this is from newsmax.com 71 percent in the u.s want legal gay marriage yeah I want to know who they asked. Well, again, they're going to tell us here a little okay. bit of it. It says in the latest Gallup poll, 71% of Americans say same-sex marriage should be kept legal. Notice they should be kept legal. Remember, it was just legalized not that long ago. Right. Public support for legal recognizing, uh, legally recognizing gay marriages has been consistently above 50% since the early 2010s. The groups most in favor of legal same-sex marriage are adults age 18 to 29, that's 89%, Democrats, 84%, and infrequent infrequent churchgoers, 83%. Now, again, churchgoer doesn't mean anything unless you know the Lord. Uh, it says, but Republicans and weekly churchgoers are not as supportive of gay marriage. It makes sense. You're going to have more believers in that group. Less than half Republicans, 49%, and weekly churchgoers, 41%, say gay marriages should be legally recognized. And again, this just again shows me, we talk about and talks about in 2 Timothy, in the last days, wickedness will abound. And, and Greg, this is wickedness. Just it's, We're yeah. normalizing wickedness. And, and I want to point something out, too, because that, that uh, poll is pointing out uh, the percentages based on the person's affili- uh, political affiliation, or along those lines. Here's the bottom line. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter whether Democrats are against it. It doesn't matter whether Republicans are against it. It doesn't matter what people group you are a part of or identify with that if you were polled. When it comes to issues like this, the yeah. only thing that matters is what does the Bible That's say? Right. That's right. Not, not, a, not a religious organization or a denomination or anything. So what does God's word say? If God's word says it's right, then it's right. If God's word says that it's wrong, then it's wrong. Yeah. It, 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 our opinion means nothing. That's right. That's right. But see now, Greg, remember, that's because you believe I know. that it's the word of I God. Know. I'm preaching to the choir. But the word of the, the majority of the world doesn't believe that it's God's word. So to them, it's like, that's your religion, that's your belief. I don't agree. We know that it's God's word. Yeah. And because of that, we give it that high place and that standard. But the world doesn't do that. No. Not so no, it doesn't, and so very sad. Um, and um, I, you know, I, you know, when I see these things, it I'm, goes in line with everything else well, we've been talking about, you know, Pastor Greg, Mark. I'm not shocked about it. I, mm. I should be. I'm not. Look, what have we seen? When you yeah. see, and I'm going to use the word churches loosely. When you see churches putting gay pride things this month on their ban- on their, their their things out in front of their church, first of all, that shows they're not really a church. Right? They're not really. They don't know the Lord. Right. But in, in addition to that. The church is supposed to be the purifying factor. The church is setting the standard of morals for the nation. So even though these are false churches, and they're supposed to be, they at least used to pretend to be moral. There used to be a level of you pretend by religion to be doing the right thing, even if you really weren't doing the right thing behind the scenes. Now you've got those who used to pretend to do the right thing 
coming right out and putting it on their billboards out front and just putting the flags up and all this. And they're just showing the fact, you know what, look, we're not with God at all. We're just going we're to we're gonna just go right with Satan in the world and do whatever they're doing and, and whatever. And they believe that they're right. They believe they're okay because they don't know the God of the Bible. But we, knowing the Lord, realize this is something where um, it's, 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 it's wrong before God. And so our eyes have been opened. Their eyes have not been opened. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it, par for the course, I suppose. Yeah. All right, some growing anti-Semitism. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah another yeah. thing that really shouldn't surprise us and doesn't surprise us, and we see it all the time, and it's only been increasing ever since we've been on the air with Science of the Times since 2007. This is from JNS.org. European lawmakers' EU labeling policy is anti-Semitic. Yeah. So when I read that, just just the title of the article, Pastor Mark, it makes me think that it sounds like the European lawmakers are pointing out something that really you would think that they would want, and that's to label Jewish products as Jew or boycotting or whatever. So this the the yeah. I don't know if the title is misleading. No, or it's not misleading. Su- no, it's just there's more to it. You gotta, okay, you're right. They they, they don't they, they certainly want to do something to hurt Israel. Yes, but there's two issues going on here. Okay. Israel and what they consider not Israel. We want to hurt Israel, but we're not even going to call this Israel. Oh, gotcha. See, yeah. if we, if here's the thing, if we say that it's from, if this area that we don't want to acknowledge is really Israel, if we label that as made in Israel, then we are giving credence to the fact that that's Israel. Well, that's not Israel. That's Palestine, or that belongs to someone else, or their occupiers, or whatever. So, look, this is absurd. Um, first of all, Israel belongs to God. And God gave Israel a landmass area, which is much larger than the sliver we see today on the maps. He gave it to the Jews. And he said, I've given it to you perpetually. And in the last days, I'm bringing you back. And then when I come back in the second coming, I'm going to expand it to the borders it was really supposed to be, which goes all the way to Iraq and down to Egypt. Now think about that. Yeah, that's a lot of space. Israel all the way up to Iraq and down to Egypt. That's a big, big nation. That's what Israel's going to be when the Lord comes back for a thousand years. So... Um, you know, when they talk about the West Bank today, that's the world's way of saying it's the West side of, of Israel. In Israel, they just call it Israel. You know, one of the things that we did, um, uh, and so anything, any products from that area, Greg, they don't want to label. Let me read some of it. Yeah, we'll sure. Talk, I, yeah. I, want to, I want to talk a little bit more about that. A delegation of parliamentarians from 10 European countries. Interesting, the number 10. Although I don't know which 10 they are, so I don't, I'm just being silly as far as the 10 toes. But anyway, on Wednesday, denounced the EU. EU policy, and I just want to say it that way from now to EU policy of exclusively <laughs> labeling goods made in Israel territory, calling it a violation of the universally recognized definition of anti-Semitism. A hot-button declaration by the pro-Israel legislators relates to a 2015 EU directive which states that any goods made in the areas that Israel won in the 1967-day war, they didn't win it, it was granted by God, in, uh, in italics mine, <laughs> including Eastern Jerusalem and the Golan Heights, cannot be labeled as made in Israel. Of course it was made in Israel. It is Israel. And much better. look, the West Bank of Israel, okay, the West Bank of Israel is going to be um, Iran. Iraq. Iraq is the West Bank of Israel. You don't know what the West Bank of Israel is. You're talking about Iran, basically. Um, anyway, <laughs> Greg, we traveled into Samaria, uh, while we were there just a few weeks ago, and you read about all these places where Saul was and these battles and Bethel and all this. That's all Israel. The Bible says this is Israel. 
That's what they call the West Bank. That's what they say, well, goods from there, we're not going to label from Israel. It's legally Israel. Those are Israelis making those goods. I've been in the Israeli factories there in Ariel in that region or whatever, and they're making wonderful candies and products and all this. It's Israel. I mean, again, I understand the politics of it. I understand the spirituality of it, the demonism of it. I get all that as far as that goes, whatever. But the bottom line is they're just denying. It's it's a spiritual battle to deny Israel. I think about Zechariah where it says, Zechariah 12, that Israel will be become a stumbling block yeah. for the entire world. They're a stumbling block. Here they are. God's blessing them. They're putting out product and producing, and the world sees the products coming, and they're all tripping over. They're stumbling over it. So they go, well, that, we're not going to label that. We're going to just say that that's from uh, a place that doesn't exist. Yeah, Palestine. There is no Palestine. By the way, where did Palestine come from? Look, let me explain something into our listeners. These are things I remember when I got saved, Greg. I was shocked to find out because you grow up hearing the news and seeing these things, and you don't know this. Look, there has never been, ever, let me make this clear. There has never been a legal, recognized Palestinian state in world history. But Mark, what about what about back when in the 100s when Hadrian renamed Israel Palestine? Because he hated the Jews. Hadrian renamed Israel Palestine because he hated the Jews. Correct. But even then, Greg, he didn't make it legally Palestine. He just called it that. He just called it that. There yeah, has right. never been a state of Palestine. There's never been a nation of Palestine ever, ever, ever. I want let this sink into our brains. It has never existed. There's never been a legal state of Palestine ever in world history. So when people tell you that that's Palestine and the Jews took it from Palestine, it's never existed. As a matter of fact, prior to 1947, all the Jews were called Palestinians. You may not have known that. The Jews were called Palestinians prior to 1947. Why? In 48. Because the region was still referred to as Palestine because of what Hadrian did back in the 100s. So they just called it that. It would be like... I don't know. It's just you're calling the land its its name that everybody knows it by. But it wasn't legally that. It was still legally Israel when, when Rome destroyed them. And then it was a part of Rome after that until, of course, you know, now years get just whatever. So so the Jews were called that. But then after the, the, the they start trying to fight over the land, then they start calling themselves Palestinians to give them a right to the land. We're Palestinians. We, we're the ones that this. And it belongs to us. By the way, the word Palestine... Why did Hadrian pick that word? It's where we get, it comes from the word Philistine. It's simply a translation of the word Philistine. And he said, who are the Jews' greatest enemies historically? The Philistines. And so I'm going to name the land. What he named it was Philistia, Philistine. We call it today Palestine. Okay? So the Bible says, and now we can prove this genetically with all of our DNA and 23andMe and, and all this kind of stuff. There are no Philistines today. They died out. Palestinians don't exist genetically. Philistinians don't exist genetically. Okay? So you're not going to find any. So those today, they're calling themselves Palestinians. What they're saying is they're using that word as an excuse to say, this land belongs to us. We want to take it from the Jews that God gave it to. So they call themselves that. Now, if you were to ask anybody today that calls themselves a Philistine or a Palestine, um, if you were to ask them, are you a Philistine? Well, they're going to say, well, of course not. I'm not a Philistine. Well, then why do you call yourself a Philistine? Well, that's just what they call it. Okay, great. Let's go with that argument. That's just what they call the land. But at the same time, don't act like you're some group that used to have a nation there that got displaced, and now you're trying to come back. You've never existed. Isn't the rub there, Pastor Mark, for those Arabs that they, even though they use that term, 
uh, Palestinian to their political advantage. Right. But they deny being such because if they did that, then they would basically be saying we have no right to the line of Abraham. Yeah, they can't. You're right. They can't. They can't call themselves truly they, they, Philistinians or Palestinians because it doesn't go back to Abraham. It exactly. goes back to uh, these people that were the the Philistines that were coastal people, which were, wipe, were which were wiped out as a people group. Yes. And I don't remember when that was. Was it 300? I don't know the exact date of that, but the bottom line, yeah. Greg, you're right. That's a great point to bring up. They use the name because they want to fight over the land, but they go. They say, we go back to Abraham. Well, if you go back to Abraham, then you go back to Ishmael or you go back to Isaac. You're in one of the two Which lines there. You're, you're either not a Palestinian. Right. Or you're a Jew. I mean, you're one of yeah, the others. Because that people group doesn't exist. That's right. Now, again, I, I know people say, y'all, Yo, you're using semantics. It's just about what they call. Okay, here's the bottom line. All I'm saying We're using is this. history. Yeah, all I'm saying is this. There is no Palestine that has been displaced. Uh, no, you know that they now need their land back. It's never been. It used to be everybody that lived there, Jews and Arabs and everyone else. They were all called Palestine prior to 1948 until the Jews renamed themselves the Jewish nation. Then they start going by the Jews and Israel rather than Palestine, just to set, just to show who was really back in the land after 2,000 years. And so there you have it. I mean, again, it's just amazing when you know some history; it changes everything. Everything. All right, the church, more specifically, the Catholic Church. Yeah, more boy. specifically, Father James Martin yeah. from the Catholic Church. Yeah. According to Breitbart.com, he says that gay pride is compatible with the sacred heart of Jesus. Yeah, you know, again, that's a teaching of, of the Catholics, um, you know, the, the sacred heart, if you will. Um, I, I want to give... A quick definition here. I'm going to hit this real quick. So, you know, what, you know, what is the sacred heart? Okay. okay. The sacred heart of Jesus, the most sacred of Jesus, one of the most widely practiced and well-known Catholic devotions, wherein they say the heart of Jesus Christ is viewed as the symbol of God's boundless and compassionate love for mankind. Not a bad definition. Okay. Okay. Right. The sacred heart, not a bad definition, but what does that have to do with this whole thing? This is where Greg uh, many well-meaning Christians are backed into a corner because when you tell a Christian they're not loving, they kind of get nervous and, oh, of course I'm loving, and I would end whatever the case might be. But what a lot of people don't understand, love does not mean that everybody can do whatever they want and you're supposed to accept it. If that was love, God would never bring judgment. Exactly. God That's could, a good point. could never bring judgment. If love is accepting anything anyone does, regardless of what it is, then God could never judge anyone because he, he wouldn't be loving. But again, those who believe this will say they don't believe in God's judgment, that God won't judge anyone. But the Bible is very clear. God is a God of judgment. God will judge sin. Some people will be judged. All people will be judged eternally and depend on where they spend the rest of eternity is where they turn to Jesus Christ or not. So this whole argument that you're not loving if you don't accept someone and how they're living is nonsense. As a matter of fact, it's the opposite. If you truly love someone, you will tell them you're in sin and what you're doing will keep you out of the kingdom of God. You're not going to heaven unless you repent. That's love. Why is it love? Because one separates people from God forever, and the other lets people be with God in the kingdom forever. And if you love someone, you want them in the kingdom of God forever, because the lake of fire is not where you want to spend eternity. No. So it's, a, it's ridiculous. But let's go on with this, because yeah. it is something they use to try to uh, you know, push Christians back into a corner and say, well, you're not loving. Nonsense. Uh, Jesuit Father James Martin, uh, better known as false teacher, 
italics mine, said this weekend celebrating gay pride is compatible with devotion to the Sacred Heart because both teach us about the love of Jesus. In June, Catholics celebrate the month of the Sacred Heart. Now, I didn't realize that. I didn't realize that either, yeah. Father Martin writes on Twitter, LGBTQ people celebrate Pride Month. So I I wonder why that month was chosen. Maybe because of that. LGBTQ Catholics celebrate both. One shows us how Jesus loves. The other shows us whom Jesus calls us to love today. Now, and let me just back this up. Do we love them? Of course we love them. The question is, what is true love? True love is telling them the truth so they can be saved. He goes on, where would the Sacred Heart be today? Martin asked in the accompanying tweet. It would be poured out in love on these people who seek love and acceptance. Of course love's poured out on them, but not acceptance of their sin. On social media, many expressed uh, perplexity at the priest's assertion, insisting that taking pride in one's homosexual activity or transgender identity uh, diametrically opposes the core of the devotion of the Sacred Heart. Again, that's true. Uh, of course, I don't even believe in the Sacred Heart. But I'm just giving my point about from the Catholic right, viewpoint. Exactly, yes. For his part, Paul warned of those who take pride in the shameful things they do since it makes them enemies of Christ. And again, that's true. It makes them enemies of Christ. And it just shows again, don't ever be intimidated by people saying you're not loving because you're not accepting sin. True love is to confront sin in love. Amen. All right. Yeah, this is cool. It is time to get to some good news. Amen. We can use some good news. Yes, yes, yes. All right. This is from Breitbart.com. The Jesus Movement celebrates the biggest water baptism in U.S. history. Yeah, and they did this in honor of the movie that came out, Greg, about Calvary Chapel. Yeah, this is what it says. More than 4,000 people were baptized in a single ceremony in Southern California last Sunday, marking the 50th anniversary of the Jesus Movement, which was Calvary Chapel for the most part. Uh, Baptized Southern Cal, um, baptized SoCal, Southern Cal, was touted as the biggest water baptism in history, and it was, that we know of. 4,166 people were baptized in Pirate's Cove. That's where Chuck Smith and Calvary Chapel used to do their baptisms, marking their acceptance of Jesus Christ and the entry in the Christian church. Interesting. Uh, in Acts, we're going to see this Sunday. Well, no, we're going to see next, a couple of weeks from now. Uh, there were 3,000 baptized right there outside of Jerusalem. So, but this goes 4,166. The mass event was organized by Ocean's Church, a ministry located in Orange County. They weren't all from that church, but note this. It involved the participation of more than 280 churches and 8,000 attendees on Pentecost Sunday, which marks the coming of the Holy Spirit upon the apostles. And I quote, what an amazing and historic day. West Coast Life Church Pastor Ray Gene Wilson said, thousands baptized at Pirate Cove. God is moving in California. Let me say this. California's messed up, but God is moving in California. And what a wonderful way to see in such a messed up state, over 4,000 people giving their life to Christ um, and getting baptized. Uh, we have a baptism this Sunday as well. Yeah, we be, do. Actually. Quite that many, but either way, uh, it's, <laughs> you know, look, here's the point. God is still working very much in this generation. Although this world yes. is turning away from Christ, his spirit is still working and will continue to work until jesus comes back because that's love he's confronting sinners and bringing them to repentance and restoration so they can enter the kingdom which is a call today for any of you that are listening if you know god is convicting you of your sin and you've never given your life to the lord it's as easy as believing jesus died for you on the cross asking god to forgive you of your sin giving your life to the lord and being born again and then you escape the judgment of this world understand true love as god knows it and enter in the kingdom of god forever that's good news yeah it sure is and you know it's a good reminder too pastor mark that this life the bible tells us is but a vapor yes and if you've lived any length of time you realize how quickly time goes yes and then before you know it this life will be over and so the question is 
your 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 spirit lives on for eternity where do you want to spend eternity that's right that's right you have a choice for all the things in this world where you don't think you have control over and you don't have control over that is the one most important thing that you've got control over is the choice where you spend eternity yes absolutely and you know what everybody lives forever the question is where where and the difference is what have you done with Jesus and the cross? Yeah. There's a choice to make. You know, normal is not coming back, but Jesus is. Amen. So we, Amen. Need, to, we need to get ready for our Lord and the rapture and uh, be about our Father's business. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget the waymedia.net, all things signs of the times related, as well as other content at our website and our app 24 hours a day. And we hope to see you back here next Friday at 1.30 as we continue to discuss and learn the signs of the times on WIAM. Follow.